Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Bald Move Television, where the officially unofficial podcast for all of television. I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. And we are talking about a particular spectrum of TV today, Amazon's The Romanoffs, Episode 6, Panorama, mm. written and directed by Matthew Weiner. With with some help, there was a co-writer on this. I, yeah, I don't was. know his name. But... Uh, that's, there's some, there's some, there's some uh, credit and blame to spread around. <laughs> Jim, what'd you think of this episode? Man, this episode's a mess. I don't... I didn't like this episode at all to the, to the point where you came in today to our makeshift studio here. And I was questioning whether or not we should even continue yeah. to cover the show. And then we looked, we, we were really like, well, you know, the traffic's not great, but well, there's a certain, there's <laughs> there like were decisions. One out of four club members are listened to it. So that's not nothing. <laughs> like, we really, yeah, uh, uh, I didn't like this episode. I think it is a mess of themes. It's, the the acting is not amazing the direction is certainly not amazing the writing is maybe even worse i that's the shocking I, thing i don't like this episode at all it is shocking to me that the dialogue is so clumsy and poor mm-hmm. in several of the episodes this one most noticeably which doesn't help the direction but mm-hmm. the direction is god awful and the editing like uh, I don't know why he sees fit to leave a half second of camera and audio off each volley of dialogue. Like, I think it's because he's got a very specific pace that he needs to hit. It but doesn't. The, the acting doesn't support the pace he's going for. I, it. Well, I think it does. It's very George Lucasen, like very establishing uh-huh. shot. Camera A, B, A, B, A, B. We're out. Like, and mm. and the beats last forever. Um, I agree he's going for like this kind of stately relaxed pace, but it feels awkward and stiff. And it does. I also don't know anything about the actors. I've seen the woman and something else, but uh like just a few things. But this the the, the star of this episode is a beautiful man <laughs> uh-huh. who is in empty suit. Okay. There yeah. is he a couple of times he gets to do something approachingly approaching effective but honestly, the direction and the dialogue and, and acting are so bad, it felt like an upscale the room in a lot of places. Wow. Uh, that's pretty and, harsh. And there's, um, there's <laughs> I don't know per- that I'd go there. There's particular, and I think it's a little bit of the guy's, um, the, 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 the accent and the pace of his dialogue give me, gives me mm-hmm. a little bit of that. But also there's just a couple of curves that this plot takes that just don't matter in and so I'll defend that a little bit later, but yeah, no. Yeah, and- I don't want to like throw too much shit at him because I don't know if he's uh, he. I don't know if he's a native English or Mexican speaker or mm-hmm. Spanish speaker. I don't know, mm-hmm. um, and I want to say that maybe some of that could have been attributed to just language barrier a bit and right. differences in cultures. I I don't know, right? But I agree with you. It came off as very awkward yeah most of the time uh i will say i i've had to look it up but rada mitchell is the the main love interest uh the the female in this Uh episode and i thought she was really good Mm -hmm. through most of it yeah uh i didn't see a lot of the same problems with her performance that i saw with his performance and the kids performance and they had a a decent chemistry as two very attractive people can kind of just generically smolder but sure yeah i mean he's the latin lover right and yeah and she's the 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 estranged wife who's right. out there being vulnerable with her child right. and he swoops in and it didn't feel predatory at all i don't I, like no, i never no, felt like that but 
But it also felt a little Diane Lane under the Tuscan sun, like having this mm-hmm. weird, uh, you know, autumn romance while your kids dying <laughs> in the hospital from. Yeah. Like I, I kept on thinking that the joke was not the joke because this would be tragic, but the weird <laughs> would be that, you know, he's fall. He's because they, they showed him being like freaked out that she was gone for a minute unexplained. And mm-hmm. I thought that he was going to have some freak out while she was climbing the the pyramids and like fell downstairs and died from blood internal bleeding or something because like none of that ever mattered none of that ever Uh, yeah that's why i say like the themes are so weird and nebulous here and they don't connect at all like i couldn't tell you how this love story connects with the plight of the mexican people Uh uh and i couldn't tell you how it well i know how it connects with the romanovs but only because i read how it connects with the romanovs which is i guess nicholas the second uh, oh, his son was, his son alexi had right. hemophilia and that's how uh rasputin down through the bloodline that's how rasputin got such so intertwined in the royal family is because he alone could control his bouts and and like get get him to, to improve his physical condition it's probably bullshit and coincidence but. <laughs> right and ultimately like what does it matter to this story it doesn't it doesn't at all the romanoffs don't seem to factor into the show the romanoffs and right i mean maybe that's the idea maybe that's like it's I the think... thing winder's going for but i'm not on board with it i don't care like the, the biggest problem i have with this series is i simply don't care about it no it's funny because um this is a point jamie made in the forums but i thought when i was watching it is like i feel like this is a student film <laughs> like if you had said that this was huh. If this was the thing that Matthew Weiner made that was interesting and got noticed, and then he got hired to be a staff writer in Sopranos, and then he became the showrunner for Mad Men, you're like, that's a believable trajectory. Mm-hmm. But this is just, I, I you know, I don't know. I, I have, to, I feel like I want to go back and see the other Matthew Weiner directed Mad Men episodes to see well, what, what the hell? Maybe the scripts are just much stronger, but. And, and just maybe he was allowed to crackle a little bit, but it's just mind-numbingly boring watching again when the the kid who the child actors have it rough, right? And if there's bad direction, like George Lucasian levels of bad direction, you get Jake Lloyd. I don't think this kid is as bad as, as Jake Lloyd oh, in, no, in no. episode one, but you put him against this other dude and have them have an extended conversation, mm-hmm. it's really painful to watch. <laughs> Okay, before we continue on this uh, episode of television, I want to talk about what's going on here at BaldMove.com. We are still in the throes of Season of the Cage. The winter of Nick Cage's career has blown in with the cold air we got here in Cincinnati this week as we are going to be reviewing Con Air this Thursday. Last week, we did uh, Adaptation, which is one of his really, really good films. Mm -hmm. We had a lot to say. Uh, Season of the Cage is part of our Super Serious Film Fest. If you go on YouTube.com or in your favorite podcast app and search for Super Serious Film Fest, you can find it. And we're just doing like a mini film festival around Nick Cage's career, the good and the bad. Boy, he's got plenty of both. <laughs> uh, Cecily and I are also doing American Horror Story. We do an instant take right after the first airing on Wednesday, and then we followed up with Feedback Friday on Friday. And this has been a very fun season, but... As is typical for Ryan Murphy production, rapidly going over the rails these last week or two. Uh, speaking of going over the rails, Jim and I saw Overlord. Mixed reviews. I kind of liked it. Jim kind of didn't like it. Uh, in a couple weeks, we'll be talking about a Creed 2, which is something we're both excited about, mm-hmm. being in the Rocky universe. And also, my co-author, Anthony, uh, in the, my Gods of Thrones books, we're doing a special series on the Game of Thrones feed. 
uh, for our book Gods of Thrones and uh, uh, George R. R. Martin's Fire and Blood book that's coming out later this month. We did a deep dive on the character of Tyrion uh, on this week's episode. So check out baldmove.com if you'd like to, to get all that. I feel like let's let's um because we've been in intro mode the whole time. I want to do a little bit deeper dives on some of these problems. Uh, I thought it was funny because at the end of this episode, his journal, his editor essentially says, "I, I don't know what this is. This isn't a story. It's a poem or something." But it's mm-hmm. god awful, and you're a terrible journalist. <laughs> I that felt like a lampshade. That felt like Matthew oh, Weiner saying, "This is a really messy attempt at something, and I don't know what I got, but fuck it. I'm Matthew Weiner, and I got." And Amazon's paying $20 million for it. To, pay, to spend on this episode. <laughs> right. Fuck it, we're going to Mexico City. Yeah, no, that frankly is what this entire series has felt like. None of the themes that they've gone for have really been uh, colored in enough for mm. me. Uh, they, they always tenuously grasp towards something that they can't quite grip. And this is, this is an episode that almost tries to do too much and ends up doing nothing. If, if that makes no, any sense. I, and, and it's weird that, like, also, this feels like Hollywood woke from 15 years ago, a lot of this stuff. Okay. And it's yeah. just, like, hasn't kept up with the times. Um, I mean, I think Matthew... And, and, and it's that's the thing. It's like, Matthew Weiner's audience in particular, I think if you said colonialism was really bad for central and southern america the result the response is like well no fucking shit yeah Mm -hmm. yeah we've we've seen the upheaval we've seen the problems it's in the system systematic problems we've and plus we're still don't forget we're still fucking with these people because of our drug policy Mm. but like who it's it's so weird it's like if this was on abc i could see it blowing people's hairs hair back but this is Mm. on like this internet prestige outlet when is matthew weiner his I'm I'm his audience, and I'm hunger I'm hungry for something uh, actually new and challenging, not this kind of like uh, economic inequality and uh, the 101 cultural and racial inequality 101 stuff. Hmm. I guess that's not that's not what I go to Matthew Weiner for. I go to Matthew Weiner for intricate, detailed character study stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, a la Mad Men. Mad Men, I mean... You're right. It, it was very easy to not need to do any of the stuff that you're talking about in Mad Men because sure. it was set 50 years ago, you know? Plus, he he was able to do it just in passing. And I, I guess I shouldn't say that, like, I'm looking to be challenged, you know, politically and whatever and all my entertainment. It's just like, that is the... That, that's what he's engaging with because he's not oh, offering I, I, anything else. Sure, yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah, there's, there's multiple paths to success for this thing. It's just that he's cho- chosen this one and, like, he's fighting on a... A battlefield that felt feels well trod for this for this particular audience. Well, I think there's there's room for the one on one arguments. Like Certainly. we've talked about it before, but uh perhaps you're yeah, you're not the audience for that. Right, right. And and, and it, I'm not either. And I think this this show is so sloppily made that that really it's not gonna find an audience. Well, no, it's like yeah, it reminds me of um when I was doing the Orange is the New Black podcast, uh, you know, I had the bunch of different co-hosts i think it was kelly anakin uh was the one i was talking and i was trying to like tiptoe delicately around this one subject because i'm always thinking like i don't want to or at least at the time i wasn't wanting to like drive off people that might have a little more conservative opinion and she's like 
who the hell are you talking to? Like this audience, mm. like do you, how many, how many people do you, that are, would be offended by a frank discussion of this would be watching the show about female prisons with lesbian and transgenders. And like, they'd have been running screaming yeah. from like episode two, if they made it that far. Mm-hmm. So like, that's, I guess what I'm going for is like, if you're not going to wow us with some kind of like penetrating insight into the human condition, and you are all bringing up all these like you know like last episode he clumsily tackled me too. This he kind of is uh, it, among other things is trying to talk about the per- perils of colonialism. Mm-hmm. It's just not none of it's compelling. And, and he is trying to do that that incisive you know kind of human condition sort of yeah. thing, right? I mean, this love story is exactly that, and his you know lamenting, oh, I don't want to see these these posed photos on this. Uh, swipe left right dating app I'm using I want to see the real person you know there, there's shit. like this this thing where he wants to find this genuine love and it's tied up in the other messages of this episode which mm-hmm. neither come together yeah neither no. of them work with each other they're kind of at odds this entire time yeah I was 15 minutes into the episode before I even started to understand what the episode is about because it started with like oh my god the most this, pretentious this guy is is yeah. like I'm 14 and this is deep level dialogues <laughs> about tinder and then it switched into uh-huh. like he's gonna do this drug deal yeah or no maybe he's actually working for like the Mexican central intelligence to like what what the fuck oh he's a journalist uh, oh but not a, like, it it's and but then there's like uh, that's the plot was kind of like absorbed like what is this guy doing he's uh, I've forgotten about the Tinder bullshit I'm kind of engaged and then it's like it it reveals what it is and that was kind of like that it it really only served to put him and the mom together it seemed like yeah um now I will say that the thing there are some things that I thought worked in this film there is there's like 15 to 20 minutes of fairly basic but beautiful travelogue to Mexico City. Okay. Like, I really yeah. enjoyed learning about the Zocalo and the, how to correctly pronounce, or pronounce uh, Tenochtitlan and getting this basic history lesson about the town that's built on this, you know. I, I knew a little bit of this stuff from long ago, but it was neat to see kind of that filled out and... um and and like I thought there's some really amazing shots, a slow pan over this mural mm-hmm. that I think is every bit as interesting as like Michelangelo, yeah. what he did on the Sistine Chapel. Like there it's For a sure. distinctive art style mm-hmm. and a distinctive scale and color scheme and just a it's trying to tell the breadth of history of the last thousand years of this place and this people and why this is the way it is and the beautiful things and the ugly things. Um I thought it was fucking amazing, and I was all about that. Um, and some of there's just some jaw-droppingly beautiful shots of like, especially some of the Mesoamerican ruins that they go visit when they get to the top of one of those uh, yeah. ziggurats or temples or pyramids, whatever they're called. Like where the camera just kind of drinks it all in. It's great, mm-hmm. but everything else is like it's equally beautiful and well shot and using a state-of-the-art equipment. And the DP knows exactly what he's doing and what light levels they need to be. It's just shooting still life like it's way better than it than it needs to be yeah no i'm with you i i really enjoyed some of the visuals uh when they went for it but it, it, the just the thematic stuff the writing none of it came together for me. And, I, and i feel like that that's part like that's what matthew weiner was going for is like you're supposed to understand that this guy is composing cliches like like it's like if anne of green gables tried to be a journalist okay. like that purely romantic kind of view like it's 
it's fine to crusade for like equality and social justice and whatever, but um, it's this kind of like weird, like like I don't know. Like the guy said, it's like he wants to be a fireman. He wants to be able to rescue and save people. Uh, and if he ever lived in a world where no one needed saving, he would kind of feel lost. And there's a little bit, I don't know, there's something saccharine or disingenuine about the way that that ro- that, that he's romanticizing these people's pain and suffering. Mm. In, in kind of like a way that you see a lot of com- uh, like uh, secular complaints about Mother Teresa. Like, you know, she's she talks about these poor people and they're suffering and how it brought them closer to God. It's like, well, yeah, but... I mean, this know, all brought on by... The, the thing that the doctor tells him about, you know, him essentially tearing things down. Does he have, like, this profound change of heart in that examination because room? That's like, that's... And then go on to, like, try and save the Mexican people and this woman and her right. son at the same time? Like, and But the thing is that the episode never goes beyond that. Like, he get, does the thrust at the guy. is like, you're a fucking capitalist and you're fucking taking... You're, you're taking advantage of mostly ultra-rich people. Uh-huh. And the guy comes back with literally the second move in that argument, and that's uh, where the episode leaves it. Yeah. It's like, you know, what, whatever. But it seems to have had a, a profound effect. Here's the thing. The character has not gotten out of the 101 on that, right? Mm. Like, the, well, then, the, then he finds out that, they're, that this treatment is based on illegally harvesting stem cells from fertility clinics uh, mm-hmm. that are, like, I guess free. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know enough about this. Is social- it illegal? I I didn't know if it was illegal or just or sort just of profiteering yeah. off these people's bodies, right? Um, you know, and and whether like you know, increasingly, I don't really care about the distinction, but those like immorality and Ill- illegality. But mm-hmm. um, there, it's like then you think that's like, oh, that's a big bombshell. This is going to do. But again, the episode just doesn't fucking care. You know, when he submits his story, it's about his love story with the woman and his her sick child. It's nothing about blowing the lid off of this. He got yeah, this woman no, fired it's... and then probably mm. made her liable to some kind of libel laws. And she gave him this information and like he fucking burned her again by the end of the episode. It's it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy, right? It is. Yeah. And the guys. So the guy's name is Abel. And I thought, OK, because, you know, biblically. You know, Weiner likes to do this. He likes to deep, you know, dig like thin, thin, scratch skin deep into some kind of literary device and use it to frame something. And, you know, biblically able. He's the good one, right? He's the good kid. (laughs) He's the, there's two, Adam had two sons. One was a real shit and one was a good guy. And the good guy ends up, and maybe that's the thing, like Abel always sacrificed his best. He gave of his best to his own detriment and then was murdered for it. And I thought Mm -hmm. that maybe... You know, when that one office lady gave the 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 Mexican cop on the payroll like a significant look, I thought he's going to get assassinated. And I'm like, well, there you go. Yeah. But it never does anything with that either. Hmm. Abel Erickson. The fuck? I don't know, man. I don't know. And also, I thought that the a curve was early on was going to be that his fall from grace was going to be that he's using this woman as another end to his story. But no, they just played it straight that he just is enraptured with this uh, beautiful and romantic story about this woman who's sacrificing everything for her child. Like, that's some kind of, like, exceptional (laughs) or noble thing. No, it it felt like a a story at odds with itself. Like, it was competing for these two ideas. And in a better show, uh in a better written episode... These two, the, these two stories—the story of the expose on this clinic and the story of this love affair—would come together and and support each other, mm-hmm. you know, and they'd synthesize into one cohesive narrative. 
This episode never does that. And that's, ever. And that's why I think it's like it reminds me of the room because like there's like uh, the room will be in the middle of one narrative about this guy breaking or yeah. having be on a schedule with, the, with his girlfriend. And then a girlfriend's mom's talking to her and she'll be like, well, it's uh-huh. official. I've I got cancer. cancer. <laughs> and then the movie like establishes that and then smoothly moves on. And I felt like there's yeah. the stem then cell goes into a bare ass naked sex scene. Yeah. Like, like the time was house ass. The, the nurse of the clinic is like, well, wait, do you find out there's aborted fetuses? It's like it's going to be that Christopher Reeves South Park episode. And then <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing. Yeah, nothing. Like, and the, she's a Romanoff. Oh, yep, I passed a gene. Like, that's literally a one-sentence connection to the theme of the show, which, if this was a... Honestly, if this was a better show, n- we'd probably be talking about how amazing that he can just, like... Just when you think this is going to not even have anything to do with the Romanoffs, he just curves it enough mm-hmm. that he wings it. Yeah, but, if everything else was there. But nothing's yeah. there, nothing. so it's just yeah. like, what the fuck, dude? What the fuck? No. And then, so, let's uh, keep talking about the art. The ending... Where it's a slow pan up from the plaza, and yeah. and I started as I watched, and I'm like, this guy, the way he's moving through space, feels very stilted and awkward. And I feel like Matthew Weiner budgeted one day. He had the he had the twilight, he had the the magic hour, uh-huh. and he had like three takes to get this. And this guy, like there. It's every like people. There's a way to shoot these crowd shots where everything looks like it's smooth and natural, and I've seen it done enough to be like, okay, mildly impressive, whatever. This just, I mean, you could see people altering their speed to keep from colliding, and nothing looked natural and flowing. And then I realized yeah. that he's just staging the fucking uh-huh. painting, and I'm like, oh, this is the most <laughs> like it's pretentious it's and, the most and shoddily done. thing i've ever seen is the problem yeah and it felt like something that he got an idea and tried to shoot in a day or two and they just didn't really quite get it and fuck it they did it anyway well they're just trying to do a hard fucking thing here yeah a, they're trying to re- recreate this painting which qu- requires like i don't know a hundred actors uh, oh yeah in, in costumes of, right of every On era location. like how fucking expensive was that just to get right. the costumes for this right uh but that's the key on location the zocalo is fucking I, I can't even imagine like trying to shoot at st mark's cathedral or some shit yeah yeah with How? all local talent or whatever and, and you could see it like i i could see people in fucking yoga shorts yeah. right like walking around in the back and not even in the background in the foreground like, like walking those, right those through the middle actors, of this fucking right? shot do you think i don't think so really they, i mean how do you, you clear that shot- space out like, you, can you shut that down? Oh, I'm sure. For shooting? You pay the Mexican government X amount of dollars, they <laughs> will shut that shit done. down. Like yeah, the guy they'll said. They'll shut down their, their capital for you. There used to be trees until, you know, the they, they <laughs> right. paved it all over to have control. Like, I think I think you can make it happen. I'm just saying that, like, that. there again, that's a kind of a clumsy effect. Like, are you going for... What are you saying that the tourists are, or the the modern people are, are as a, just as important part of the integration of this painting as anything else? Because I shit, think it's not so. That painting There's... was two hundred years ago. It's a modern painting. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think he's going for something like that. There's a line from the doctor, you know, when it's he's timeless, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is timeless, and and the the line that really I guess stuck with me in this entire episode is. Uh, Something about healing being an evolution, not a transaction. Yeah. Uh, which mm. I, I think, I mean, I think he's, you know, talking about the greater healing of the Mexican people. Yeah. Um, and, and what's happened to them. And I think part of that is what he's going for in this final shot and with this whole episode is to say, hey, we're in the modern day here, but this healing has not happened. And it's not something that we can just, you know, write a check for and fix. 
it's something that has to evolve and something we have to pull out of the Euro- rich the rich americans and europeans one two hundred fifty thousand dollar scam at a time yeah yeah <laughs> i but i don't hey i don't know if it's a scam like is it a scam right if he's saying like look we we have published success rates mm-hmm. and if those success rates are legitimate which mm-hmm. we don't ever get an answer to um then i don't know he's giving people hope is that a good thing is that a bad thing i i don't know it's all tied up in this idea of of healing with the mexican people and i don't i don't ever think it gets to where it wants to go Mm-mm. but it does try Mm-mm. <laughs> is that is that the best i can say for it yeah i mean i don't know because the other thing is there's some weird stuff where he says to the crowd at the cathedral hey move aside there's a sick little boy mm-hmm. and they all just step aside like okay yeah i mean most people do and then she goes, well, what, what did you say? He goes, I said, do you're important. Yeah. Well, what the fuck? It's weird. Because here you've got this guy who is, you know, very cares deeply of this culture and the people and the, the history that's gotten him here. And he is, for whatever reason, choosing to pour his time, attention, and pity on this wealthy, privileged person. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing is... I mean, I'm not going to say it's not heroic to try to save your child, but uh, if you have, like, say you're, you got $500 million in the bank and you don't fly your child, if they're dying at the age of 12 <laughs> and you don't fly them around to everything and drop a quarter million here, there to uh-huh. try take flyers and save them, then, like, that's just, like, what a parent would do. You use the resources you have, whatever. If they're, if they're meager, then it's a sadder story and a lot less hope. But, like, it's, like, he held this up as, like, she's just some kind of goddamn Joan of Arc when she's doing just what a mother would do with her resources. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't, I, I didn't get his fascination. I mean, there is a little bit of that, like catching her in these unguarded yeah. moments of yeah, beauty and grace, but mm-hmm. seeing her for who she really is instead of some posed, right. Uh, vixen on a dating app screen. <laughs> right. But that's the thing is like, I thought, man, speaking of the art is when, and maybe this is intentional too, but when he's doing this uh, long speech about, uh, do you ever look at yourself and you know how oh, beautiful God. you are? Or are you more beautiful because you, you can't, can't look? look yeah. I just want to picture you reading a magazine. And they cut to this ridiculously attractive and photogenic woman uh-huh. posing against this color balanced Adobe building. And she's got one leg hanging off and she's, re- and it's like, <laughs> The fuck, dude? This isn't a candid moment. No. And it's just... And the, the waitress, like, bringing yeah. the dish to the people and then having this fake-ass smile as she walks toward the camera. I I don't know which side of the the equation you were on I at know. that point. Are you trying to say that this is her at her natural state? Or is it her or putting, this is this her is putting her on her a putting face? On and if so, what is the next one? Is that this? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Like, none of that felt natural I want to see me. a girl on the shitter... With her panties around her waist, with a toothbrush hanging out of her mouth. No, thank you. While, look, scrolling through her phone, because I think that's people at their most unguarded yeah. moment. Swiping left on Like, you haven't finished the article, you're done brushing your teeth, you're ready to get up off the pot, but you got to finish this article. Like, that's what I wanted to see, not these, these women hanging out seductively reading right. fashion magazines out of these beautiful buildings yeah. in full makeup and hair. Matthew Weiner, what the hell are you doing, man? Like you're, you're making telling, a bad show. Can I just say I you're think making this is a bad, bad show. show? This is a bad show. It's not. Okay. <laughs> it's it had decent episodes. It hasn't had a good yeah. episode yet. It, it has ranged from bad to to good, with a lot of mediocre in the middle. Right. Never good, great. Good with never great with conditions. Yeah. 
like you know, like Antonio 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 Banderas says in Evita, it's it's a qualified success. It's not a none of these episodes have ever been just a full on astounding, mm-hmm. uh, unrelenting relenting success. And honestly, that has shocked me. Yeah, that if you told me that Matthew Weiner did a very experimental thing with a bunch of money, I would say like, oh boy, the the ceiling of that's going to be pretty low. Or, I mean, I mean, the floor is going to be pretty low, but the ceiling's got to be pretty high. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's where I, I guess I keep one of the reasons I keep watching is like, surely one of these has to be say something amazing. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Like, if the, the final episode is called like the one that ties it all together or something. Yeah. I have no idea if that's going to be like this truly amazing production might just that makes just... all of this make sense in retrospect, but. I can't see it. It could just be the farce that blows it all apart. Too. Yeah, yeah, it probably will. Be. Especially if it feels more like I'm thinking that. Especially if it feels like he's self-satisfying, just kind of like gesturing, like Jan- oh, like Vanna God. White to the board, like, look, look, it's right there. Please, no, it's right there. Would you like to buy a vowel? No, fuck you. I yeah, I that's the shocking thing is that how many of them have been clunky and mm-hmm. on account on an artistic level, and the fact that there hasn't been one that's sublime. I think, yeah, I think one, maybe two good episodes. Yeah, yeah. The rest really fell flat for me. And it's what's the, the hell about it is I feel like that some of the episodes you're talking about was polarizing. Yeah. So, like, if, like, I really like the Haunted House episode, you really like the, the, the funny thing is, the more I look at that, the more I go, oh, that was one of the better episodes of right, the series. Right, right, right. Yeah. The more cohesive, more interesting yeah. episodes. And it still didn't get me. I, <laughs> Like, episode two, I enjoyed, but maybe only because Carrie Bichet is in it, and I really love Carrie Bichet. But that was fun. The crew stuff was fun. It was a lot of fun, yeah. Uh, And I didn't feel like I was looking for the theme constantly, you know? And the rest of these, I am. Yeah, and that's the other thing. I really thought through three episodes, we got to the haunted, my thesis of he's taking cinematic tropes and trying to invert them and play with them. So it's like, oh, I guess I give people more slack when I feel like they're really trying to break new ground. But boy, howdy. Yeah. That's These last two, three episodes have not broken any ground, have tread on ground they shouldn't have, and come up yeah. with just feeling like, again, if this was a 15-minute thing on the 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 Travel Channel or Nat Geo about uh, Mexico City and its history, mm-hmm. I'd be like, all right, pad this thing yeah, out. Yeah, no, there's an pad awesome... Pad things out to 30 with commercials... Get Guy Ferrari on Guy there, There's a really there. awesome, like, no reservations in here yes! where Anthony Bourdain yes. is eating between all these scenes that actually look really nice. And I'm talking the about theme the history. Is, and... I'm just going to eat and talk about the history of this yeah. place. Yeah. That, that, Matthew Weiner, more eating, less dialogue, mm-hmm. <laughs> more eating, less uh, awkward acting, mm-hmm. more eating, less love story, more eating, less uh, profound, quote unquote, profound insights. How about that? Uh, do you have anything else you want to say? Do you want to get the feedback? No, let's get the feedback. Hey, before we get the feedback, I want to talk about our club because, boy, and this this is true for, in general, all of our coverage, but it goes double for this particular show, is we would not be covering the Romanoffs had it not been for the club. In fact, that yeah. was one of the deciding factors in continuing to cover it is that so many of our club members, percentage-wise, are engaged with material. So if our coverage of this, these, these types of shows, these niche shows, things that are interested to the Bald Move community, like... Matthew Weiner's follow-up to Mad Men, if that kind of thing is important to you, we'd really appreciate your support at the club. 
uh, club.baldmove.com. And it's not just the support of what we do here at Bald Move, but you get a lot of bonus features. Right now, uh, our Super Serious Film Festival, we have a lot of special features that only club members can get, like live watches of the material, uh, our attempts to do rewrites and bonus conversations, things that are interesting but cut from the other stuff for time. Uh, if you want more expanded coverage, more access to Gemini, more special features, ad-free feeds, go to club.boldmove.com, and for a reasonable price, you can make all that stuff happen. You can try the majority of the features for free at just club.baldmove.com, that landing page. And if you sign up, you get a month free trial just for signing up. Signing up, signing up. I'm saying signing up a lot. <laughs> club.baldmove.com. Sign up now. Sign up. All right, feedback. TV at baldmove.com if you'd like to send feedback to the Romanovs. Or you can uh, get on our forums. There's a Romanov thread. First up, Demic. Demic. Uh, episode six, Panorama, was all over the place. There was a critique of charlatans who exploit desperate people with false hope, hints of the danger of being a journalist in Mexico. 16 were killed or disappeared in 2017 alone to Wikipedia. Although, I gotta stop you there. Like, that is an interesting thing that these show seem to have no interest in exploring. Like, mm -hmm. I thought they yeah. were gonna go there and they fucking didn't. Uh, commentary on how the modern-day oligarch amassed her wealth by screwing little guys, a parent's guilt of passing on a genetic disorder to her child. But the focus of this episode was a guy who was very bad at his job and not very good at connecting with people, falling in love with someone he barely knew. Yep. Halfway through, I seriously thought that maybe the Mexican tourism board <laughs> sponsored the episode. But even the spectacular views from the top of the pyramids of, oh, shoot, I've forgotten how to pronounce this, Teotihuacan? Uh, it was too shallow to be called a love letter to Mexico. Everything Abel said about Mexico sounded like a paragraph right out of a travel guide. There was no personal connection that anchored his emotion. I wonder if Weiner saw the history of Mexico mural and decided to build an hour of television around it. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. Now, they tried to, I think, lampshade the guy's curious disconnection to the land with the he's actually an American. He's kind of an outsider. Mm -hmm. But he still feels like, you know, and he's also from the European side. So he's he's on the he's kind of from the colonial stock. Um, but they, again, don't do anything with that that juxtaposition. They just throw it out there mm -hmm. and be like, see, see um, this. There have been films based on a single piece of artwork, such as Girl with a Peer, uh, Pearl Earring. And while the movie received mixed reviews, it told a coherent story of a painter and his life in a Dutch golden age. However, Weiner here seemed to watch or want to touch on 25 different topics in 80 minutes, but none successfully stuck because there's no meaningful exploration of any of them. I do kind of like Victoria's reaction to Abel after she he told her that he was never sick. That warm embrace is what Amanda Peet from episode four has fantasized about for years, only real. Hmm. Yeah, you. I think that Victoria's, you're right, that reaction where... There's the betrayal, the anger, and then the understanding and acceptance in 30 seconds. And mm -hmm. he kind of let all that breathe and didn't try to flood it with words. Pretty good. Yeah. No, oh, and then Rodham Mitchell, like I said, really good in this episode for the most part. Uh, yeah. Good moment. R.K. Croft. Uh, this show isn't getting any better, and I really want it to. There's a kid in my son's daycare named Maxim Romanoff, and I think his story <laughs> might be more interesting than this latest episode. Oh, God. <laughs> You should let uh, Warner know about him. Burn, yeah, yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah, I can't wait to see the five, what five year old Max does next episode, next season when we get Romanovs two. Matthew Weiner's determined to to make us love him. Uh, Gan says, so I've watched up to episode five, and I've got to say, I think this is just a bad show. 
There's most times something good about each episode, be it the cinematography or the concept, but then there's always several things that just don't work. Episode 5 was just a disgusting episode from the editing, plot, dialogue, and message. It's like the entire episode was just a criticism of Me Too through the lens of someone not responsible or capable enough to speak about it in a non-disingenuous way. Uh, anyway, compare this show to sometimes or Showtime's Kidding, which has well thought out and surreal storylines and messages about sexuality, mental health, drugs, etc., which is only a 30-minute show, and it just goes to show how, Roman, how off the Romanoffs feel. And I, I'm with you there, man. Like... Mm-hmm. Bojack Horseman and Lady Dynamite, an animated comedy and screwball comedy that are 30 minutes long, have had way more interesting things to say about the human condition and connection to people in this modern age and society than the Romanovs have. It feels very dated in its its uh, progressive messaging, I think. So they conclude, I don't know if it's because this type of anthology doesn't work inherently or because it's just badly written, but I can't say that I've been enjoying it very much. So, but they're going to keep watching probably because like us, they're waiting to see that one. He's got, I mean, out of eight, he's got to have one, right? Really great episode. Yeah. No. So this guy came to, (laughs) because it's an anthology, this guy came to the table with no good ideas, really? I mean, the only episode I'm holding out hope for is the finale, mm. because if he's going to try and give us a message of the entire series and why the fuck he did this project in the first place, it's going to come in the finale. Yeah. Based on the title, I imagine, because it certainly I would have expected it in the premiere, but yeah. it was not in the premiere. So I think I'm, I'm going to go the opposite. I think next week is our hope for a good episode, because something that ties all this together, there's not because there's it's not like. This was a beautiful, interesting mess. This was a beautiful, uninteresting, poorly done mess. Mm -hmm. So if there's something that unifies it, like that might give it cleverness for plot points, but it's not going to it's not going to make me forget about how stilted the dialogue and performances and direction and editing were these last three episodes. No, of course not. And and I'm not even looking like to repair to to forgive the sins of the previous episode uh, or the previous episodes. All I'm looking for is something that tells me this was the theme all along. Like and what he was here going it for. Is and encapsulated in an episode. Mm. And I think for my money, the finale is going to be the best shot we have at that. Yeah, I'm holding up for the, like one last that he had one, like despite himself, brilliant idea because it's starting to feel like that Matthew Weiner took home his, his, his awards and his praise for Mad Men, crawled up his own ass, <laughs> cocooned there, and then came out with just like. The first thoughts he thought off of some weed bender, he wrote down a notebook and like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Like it did. Man, you, this doesn't feel like a project that was carefully like curated and and obsessively worked over and anything like that. Yeah. Uh, Jamie T, although I stopped after three or maybe four episodes, I feel I can say that this is felt like Matthew Weiner, what he would make in film school and then later go on to make Mad Men. Yeah, we talked we talked about that. There are moments of promise, as you say, but it's just man, how did this guy forget how to, like, maybe he got rusty. I don't know. Uh, final feedback, Majam. I wonder why the experienced journalist would just throw out the story about the stem cell harvesting. Somehow, between his guided tours of Mexico City, Abel did stumble on a reliable source and our actual real story. Yeah. Yeah. I kept on thinking that this this episode would get the plot between its bits, its teeth and, and take off, but it just never did. 
I did like the Diego uh, Riviera um, or Rivera mural, which was pretty impressive. I also liked the closing shot and the murals being recreated, the real people, although through the story leading up to it didn't really earn that moment. And I also think that even if it had, like I said, it was a little bit of a stumble in the execution. I'm not sure Diego Rivera would be thrilled about a recreation of his masterpiece where he is portrayed walking next to a stereotypical Latin Lothario character named Abel Erickson on a show about Russian aristocracy, though. Uh, I'm not really expecting much out of the show anymore, though I'd probably finish watching it. The frustrating thing is occasionally almost becomes a good show, but can't stay focused enough. Yeah, we agree. Mm -hmm. We agree. Hopefully we'll get that uh, bolt of the uh, bolt of the blue out of Weiner next week or the week after. We are going to ride this thing, this plane wreck, <laughs> into the side of the mountain, though. Yeah. Uh, for the next two episodes, if you have feedback, if you wanna you wanna join us, because uh, it might be fun. I said I was saying like you know it might be fun to climb to the top of the turnbuckle and mm. and give and give this show a couple flying elbows. Now that we kind of pretty sure it's bad. Uh, it might. I, I've always wondered what it would be like to kind of like see something highly regarded. Very people excited about and intrigued just utterly failed to live up to its promise, and I feel like uh, <laughs> be careful what you wish for. Well, the problem is I was apathetic about this whole project to begin with, and the fact that it hasn't been any good is just to me like a real kick in the dick. Because yeah, I could have, I could have, I could have gone with my gut and said, yes, Matthew Weiner did a great job with Madman. I am completely uninterested in the topic of his new series, and so I won't talk about it. I won't cover it. Yeah. And I won't watch it. But it's like Christopher Nolan. I would have had, you know, 15 hours of my life back. Like Christopher Nolan, what project could he announce that he's working on where you're just like, I'm out? Like if he said, I want to do something about soapbox derby racing. Actually, yeah, I'm in on that. You'd be like, (laughs) yeah, you'd be like, I'm going to do, okay, uh, I'm going to do something about the man who created the plastic egg that legs pantyhose came in. Okay, fair. You'd be like, I'm out. I don't, I, 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 that seems stupid, but Uh if you're making it, I'm intrigued. Yeah, that no longer applies after this series to Matthew Weiner. I'm sorry. That, that, that quick. Yeah. He goes from Mad Men to like, so he's he's got a 50, 50 batting average on series. Like. Well, yeah, what do you want from me? And he had more control over this one. So you're saying that, and like, unless the project was immediately, obviously interesting to you, yeah, unless the Weiner name has been sullied. Yeah, not irreparably, irreparably so. The Weiner name is Weiner in your book. Yeah, he's he's now gone from Weiner to Weiner. All right. TV at BaldMove.com or forums at BaldMove.com if you want to get us some feedback on this show. Uh, again, hope for hope for better things next week. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.